Howdy friends, I'm Molly, your host today, and would love to welcome you back to the No Boundaries International podcast. So as a reminder, this podcast is meant to be used as a tool to help equip you in your walk with Jesus in the areas of restoration, training, and outreach. And it's super fun because we do this by combining biblical principles with concepts found for our our journey of restoration CPR style e-course. And then we have tons and tons and tons and tons of discussions surrounding what it truly means to follow Jesus in these three areas. So I'm super excited because for today's episode, as per usual, we have Sandy Orchard, hello, our co-founder and vice president of No Boundaries International. And then if we could give a really fun drum roll, Sandy, with our mouths, (laughs) we have Dr. Lori Basie. Hi, guys. Who is our president and also co-founder of No Boundaries International. So I don't know what I got to deserve the honor of sitting down with both of our co-founders in one single session, but I'm very excited about Mm -hmm. it. Sandy, is she sucking up? Just a little bit. Do I get anything? (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Maybe. Who knows? Today, we're going to be talking about longevity. Longevity. And what that means as followers of Jesus, as his disciples, and what it means for our lives. Mm-hmm. So, Sandy, take it away. Yeah, so um, so we just really thought uh, we would just present um, maybe just a little bit of talk about longevity. Like, what is it to follow Christ for the long haul? In other words, like maybe some people, some of us, um, maybe here at the table, have been following Christ be as a profession, a professing Christian for, well, since I was a teenager. And, uh, how long has that been? A couple of years. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and so, um, you know, and over the years, okay, I have to admit, I am a little bit older than everybody at the table, mm-hmm. but, um, a mm-hmm. couple of years plus 40. Mm-hmm. Yes. So the question continually comes up, especially as I get older. And I think Lori can attest to the same is that Like, how are we going to do this for the long haul? Because we see people around us, other Christians, other followers of Christ, that kind of didn't finish very well. And finish is maybe not a good word, but like like the spark seems to be gone out of their their love for Christ. And it shows in their fruit. It shows in their lives. And so, you know, it makes us kind of want to step back and take a look at our own walk with Christ and and our own walk and how we're doing those sort of things. Like, how are we going to sustain this for the years to come and finish better than we started. And it's a constant little conversation that Dr. Lori and I have all the time as being the founders of the ministry. So we look at it from a ministerial point of view, like for, for us as the uh, having no boundaries international as a ministry, but really um, on a deeper level, the, the question really originates like, how are you going to follow Christ better? Cause that affects everything you do. It affects how, you know, like whether you got a ministry or not, or, you work at a secular job or, or a stay-at-home mom or a, a, like every facet of life, how are you going to follow Jesus uh, well to the end and finish well so that you can hear when when you stand in front of him, well done, good and faithful servant. And so that's kind of like the, the premise of what we're going to talk about today. And in a sense, um, we kind of laid some groundwork already in, in a prior podcast. So in number 19, podcast number 19, we talked about the presence of God. And some of that... Um, some of that uh, information in that in that podcast is going to be referenced a little bit here in this podcast. And so, um, again, this has been a, f- a huge question. I think it goes even beyond just our little table talk here. I think a lot of people are asking the question, like, man, how how am I going to love Jesus 
well to the end of my life and what does that mm-hmm. look like and and so uh you know it's been a huge question for dr Lori and i because we have a phrase of running hard after jesus um personally but also in our goal as a ministry to share jesus with others and so Lori, do you have any uh maybe some thoughts about this area what what has motivated you and and caused you to kind of look at this a little bit differently well since we've been going for 18 years Wow. We've seen hundreds and thousands of people literally come in and out of uh, the doors. And we've been in front of hundreds and thousands. And I really have been thinking about this. And there's one saying that I really like. And that's that some people are flakier than a buttermilk biscuit. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that just summarizes a lot of the body of Christ. I, I think Jesus would say, let your yes be yes and your no me no. And so if you think about it, there's a, a phrase that, that goes, the two most important days of your life. The first day is the day that you were born. So obviously you enter into time and he had plans for us before the foundations of the earth. And he knew us before we were knitted together in our mother's womb. And then the next most important day is the day that you figure out why. So what are we supposed to do? Well, we know that we're supposed to advance the gospel of the kingdom. We know that we're supposed to know him. We know that we're supposed to make disciples. We know that we're supposed to tell others about him and to bring his kingdom on earth as it is in heaven, whether we are a hairdresser or a dentist or a therapist or a vocational missionary or someone in ministry. That's what we're called to do. But I want to present what if those two very, very important moments in our life aren't even near as important as that after that last second that we are here on earth, that very last breath that we take and we find ourselves standing in the presence of Jesus. And what are we going to have done and what are we going to have followed through on? I'll never forget when we started No Boundaries international years ago, 18 years ago, we had somebody that was with us for a while and they came up to us one day and they said, you know, I believe in you and everything that you've been called to do. And I know that you're going to do this thing and that you're going to give God glory. And when you're famous, I want you to know that I'm going to come back and help you. And I just looked at him and I thought, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard (laughs) because when we're famous, they're not going to know how to handle what God's poured out for us. And so as we do things, sometimes it's just not really that fun. And you have to do the thing day after day and week after week and year after year and year after year and year after year. And if we quit in the middle of it, if we quit in the training, if we quit in the testing, you think about those who have been trained in the Bible. And if David would have quit, or if Joseph would have quit, or if Paul would have quit, or if if you just see over and over Peter, you think about what happened in Peter's development, then it's really not in the process it counts, but it's that last breath that then puts us in the presence of Jesus. And then we find out if we finished it and if our motives were right. And so I think about it, it's really the reason why we started No Boundaries. In in September of 2005, we'd gotten back from Africa. I didn't take the malaria medicine. I got malaria. I ended up, Sandy took me to the doctor. I ended up in the hospital 
on September 16th. And then on September 17th, I was unconscious and I was in Jesus's presence and I was supernaturally healed and it was a medical miracle. But if I would have entered into heaven, he loved me because he loved me because he loved me, but I wouldn't have finished what I was called to do. And there are actually rewards. You're actually going to rule and reign with Jesus in heaven. And if you're not ruling and reigning with him and doing this stuff here, or if we say that we got this, we got this vision from him and we figured out what we were born for. And if we start, but if we don't finish, it breaks my heart to see people who have been running hard with him and for him and with us for maybe a year or two years or even five years or 10 years. And then it gets hard. They get self-absorbed. They're consumed. They decide that maybe, I don't know, did Jesus change his mind? And then either you're growing towards him or you're falling away. But in his presence, at the end of it all, I love studying about the five crowns in the Bible. And actually my name, Lori, it means Laurel, which is crowned ones. And you get these crowns by doing certain things that he's called us to on this earth. So these are the important things that we have got to follow through on. And we've got to do because this is what's going to matter at the end of our lives. And the first crown is the victory over the world and the flesh and the, and Satan. And so we get a crown from overcoming sin and self-absorption and pride and rebellion and our flesh and sexual immorality and the, the works of the devil. And the, then the second crown is for those who win souls to Christ. And so he told us there's something called the Great Commission and 51% of the population of Christians have no idea what it is. And those who have heard the 49% that have heard about the Great Commission, then only about 18% can actually say what it is. But actually, do you know that you get a crown by following through in the Great Commission? And one of the crowns is for those who win souls to Christ. And so not out of shame or judgment or condemnation, but when's the last time our life was consistent and we weren't hypocrites and our yes was yes and our no was no and we weren't flakier than the buttermilk biscuit, and we led people to Christ. We made disciples and we told people about Christ. And so that's his second crown. Another crown is for those who are shepherds. So I think those of us who are called to shepherd, the Bible talks about that we are all to go in to make disciples. Another is the fourth for those who have a hope for the second coming of Christ. This isn't the end of the story that Jesus has come and Jesus has died and Jesus mm -hmm. resurrected and Jesus appointed the disciples to do what he could have already done himself. He ascended into heaven. He sits at the right hand of the father. And then he told us to do the work. And so we're crying, come Lord Jesus, come, but we're also going and making disciples and winning souls for Christ. And then finally, the last crown are those that are enduring pain and are faithful to Christ as martyrs. And so here in America, that may not be as relevant, but we go into places with the underground church and into different areas of the world where you could die for professing your faith or end up in prison. And so I think it's really, really important for us to think about that we have to have follow through. We have to have longevity. If it was easy, everybody would be doing it and we can't be flaky. Yeah, that's really good. 
And I think having that perspective of the crowns or what we're actually going to receive as rewards from heaven from mm-hmm. our lives puts everything into a very different perspective that you don't always hear in the church world. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, but if you can imagine that at some point, like you just said, like that we'll stand before him and that if we would have withheld anything from him that we could have given to him, like that's you're going to regret it. Mm-hmm. You're going to have this moment when you're like, oh man, I didn't do this thing right. Mm-hmm. Oh man, I could have given you so much more to the one who gave me everything to the king of the universe. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, he's the only one that's ever gone right. to the cross for us. And, and I could have given so much back to you and you could have had your inheritance through my life, but instead I withheld. Like that does not feel good. And does that, so Dr. Lori, um, so does that, you know, is it similar, what she described, is that similar to what you felt when you How were standing there in front of Jesus? Yeah, so I was in his presence, and it's not out of shame or condemnation, but it's about the most beautiful son of God who became the son of man. And as we look into his eyes, I realized there's only one shot that you have to live by faith on this side of eternity, and that you can partner with him to, I mean, there's not going to be anti-human trafficking, or there's not going to be the brain damage in the sin and the shame and the sickness and the disease in heaven. And so we can partner with him only now to bring his kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. And so we know, and in his presence, the things that I thought mattered did not matter. And in his presence, there was no shame or condemnation, but this is, there's this overwhelming love and this sense of purpose that for all of eternity, he created time and he decided before the foundations of the world, at what time he would drop me into and for a bigger purpose than just my self-absorbed self. And that's to advance the gospel of the kingdom. And if I don't do things, then things actually won't get done. Billions of people and billions of years from now, it is dependent upon us, the body of Christ, participating with him. And there's real opposition. There's a real devil. We are really self-absorbed. There's always something that's competing uh, with what we need to do to follow him. There's shame, there's guilt, there's secrecy, there's condemnation, there's pride, there's materialism, there's complacency, but we'll be held accountable for what we do and not out of shame or condemnation, not to get him to love us anymore. But this is the only time we'll have to participate with the king of the universe to do something that's literally impossible unless he shows up and something that he's commanded us to do. Well, then you'll see that you that you've, you know, you sold out for your own comfort or for your own whatever. And mm-hmm. the things that you spent your resources on or the things that you spent your time doing, mm-hmm. like none of that's going to matter. Like if you think eternally speaking, mm-hmm. like only things by the spirit and with the power of God mm-hmm. are the things that are going to stand up or that will still last forever. Mm-hmm. And so you'll realize like, man, that new thing that I was so like wanting and spent all my resources on and got a side hustle to even get that like a million years from now, none of that is going to be Mm -hmm. relevant. Or if you held on to a grudge because someone irritated you, or if you had to go to another meeting and you're so upset about having to go to another meeting when really like none of that's going to matter. Or if you've been holding on from the things of your past, like eternally speaking, that that's just such a small moment mm-hmm. in time compared to what's to come. 
So every day we're either falling more in love with him and advancing the gospel of the kingdom and we're sticking it out in the good, the bad, and the ugly, or we're not. And there's just no no middle ground. Or you've wasted your life. Yeah. Like that's either, either you gave him everything or you've wasted your Mm -hmm. life. Yikes. Yeah, there's kind of like no gray in there, is there? There's no gray in there. It's either everything or it. what was it for? Unto what? So then the question becomes, am I living my life with an eternal purpose? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. And even our relationship with him. So we, do we want to demand that Jesus looks like us and he does what we what we want, when we want, and how we want? And if he doesn't, then we're mad. And so it's not a build a build a bear, build a Jesus. It's about the king of the universe who's invited us to stick it out. And we read in the Bible about all of those who have stuck it out. And last time I checked, they're martyred, they're crucified upside down, they're shipwrecked, they're stoned. There is great opposition and they fell more and more in love with Jesus. Because they were building his kingdom. Mm -hmm. And that's where we don't invite him into building our kingdom. He Mm -hmm. invites us into building his. Mm -hmm. And so we don't have a build a Jesus workshop Mm -hmm. because we can't build him. He builds us. Mm -hmm. And there's a big difference between letting him build you and then you thinking that he's going to build what you want and what you desire. Mm -hmm. It's a big shift. And I think too, that like in the, the build a bear, build a Jesus concept, like Jesus is not like any other human. He's just not. And so, uh, you know, we, we, we are affected in our, and how we view God by, our interactions with people like good or bad. And a lot of that. And a, a lot of times we as humans, um, how we view God is, uh, sometimes it's really tainted by bad experiences in our lives, bad relationships that we have. We may have had a terrible father or maybe we didn't have any father. Or, mm-hmm. I mean, all those life things, those life experiences color and taint how we see God. And so the truth is that when, as we read the scripture, if we really just slow down and, and really take a look at it, He's not like any other human that we've ever met before. And I love the the New Testament where Jesus is going around and he's healing people and he's displaying his power, but it's all wrapped up in love. Everything that Jesus did while he was here was motivated by love and he did it in a sinless, totally sinless way. And so, um, you know, so... Part of part of my question is so is really the not finishing well thing. It's it's really an issue, and so as part of that, I want to part of the things that's uh, kind of contributing to this conversation is we've been reading a book lately as a group. Um, there's John Bevere book, The Awe of God, and it's such a good book, and it's about your perspective and your view of Jesus. How do you view him? Um, and how that's going to carry you in every part of your heart, every part of your spirit, every part of your life. And he did, um, he mentioned somewhere in the book that he had, he ran into a Bible university professor who did this extensive research and studied uh, many individuals in the Bible uh, that God had called and commissioned. And he found out that 75% of them in the Bible, 75% of them didn't finish well. And they had their effectiveness and their impact with people was cut short by not finishing well. And so that, like... That's terrifying. Exactly. And so talk about that just for a second. I mean, um, you stood in front of Christ. Mm-hmm. And as Molly was saying, there's a there can be a whole regret, like I didn't do more for you. Mm-hmm. You're so much bigger than our, my tiny little life that in the end, those tiny little things didn't matter. 
Mm-hmm. And so, man, I mean, it just knowing that this is a challenge and how can we over the, overcome that challenge? But anyway, so do you have anything else to add, Lori, about, you know, when you're stood in front of Christ? Mm-hmm. Well, I think about Barna did some, some research and he found that between 20 or no, between 2000 and 2020, that 20 million Americans who were practicing and professing Christianity actually walked away. So that was one in 20 Americans walked away from him. And so I think we're, we're just really in the spoiled brat club. We want what we want when we want, when it feels good. And we want to be the little, the little God of our own life. And we don't want to submit or bow down to a King and we don't have long-term follow-up. So if we're thinking about being transformed by the renewing of our mind and participating with the creator of the universe to bring his king kingdom on earth as it is in heaven, to advance the gospel of the kingdom, to lead people to him, to actually make a long lasting impact, it's actually going to take a long time. And in fact, I love what John Maxwell would say. He said, instead of being goal-oriented, that you have to do this and then you cross it off the list and you have to do this and you have to cross it off the list. What about if we become growth oriented? So in every Mm. environment that we're in long-term over time, Jesus is our reward. I'm going to do it. Our yes means yes. And our no means no. I think about even with the programs and the things that we launch at no boundaries international. If we have no idea what it's going to look like, knowing that we're working with people from hard places that we have to be consistent over time. What if we launch something and it's terrible? So I like to call it research and development and we do it for a three month trial period or a six month trial period. But, and I also remember that our team, we went on a fabulous trip. We flew into this place and we had committed to have dates that were happening back here at our base in Oklahoma. And uh, Molly and I were on the, the team that committed to do something back in Oklahoma. And we found out that you could actually do something that would be way more fun. That was a, a bigger impact in this in this city that we had flown into. And because we said, yes, we would be back here. We actually had to honor our commitment and fly back to Oklahoma. I remember that. I call yes. that character development. Yes. Because <laughs> it was rough really rough. But we, the body of Christ, have to look better than the world. If we look at just just simply business statistics, they say that those who start a new business, that 25% of them will fail after one year. Wow. And then if you go for five years, let's just say that you make it for five years, 45% will fail after five years. And so I think about, and then what about 10 years? We have a base in Amarillo, Texas, and this is their actually their 10th year. And they say that 65% of all businesses will fail after 10 years, or even with us, the longevity of going for 18 years. But Jesus didn't change his mind. If I'm not sure about something, I can call it research and development. Ultimately, my goal is to fall more and more in love with him and to grow so that I'll be able to increase my capacity to do what he thought about for me before the foundations of the world. But if it takes a little longer or if it's done a little bit differently, or if he doesn't show up how I hope that he'd show up, he's God and I'm not. And I think it really goes back to what Solomon found in Ecclesiastes at the end of the day. We fear the Lord and we do what he says. Yeah, but if you're, I mean, just 
just thinking out loud. But whenever you focus what John Maxwell said with the goal-oriented versus growth-oriented, uh-huh. if you're goal-oriented, you don't get that character development. Mm-mm. Like, that doesn't ever happen. And I think that's whenever people will have the 75% that fall away oh. or the or that won't finish better than they started Mm -hmm. because suddenly now you're all about the goals, but you don't have the character to sustain even if God pours out what he promised. Mm -hmm. Like you can't sustain that because all the pressure has been on you and what you're doing. And you've been building your outer kingdom whenever Jesus has been trying to build you. You're building toward that goal that you put in your head. Yeah. That, that you've gross. decided, but yeah. Jesus is all about relationship and yes. he's all about building his people. Mm-hmm. Like there's a reason why he calls us the temple now. Like mm-hmm. this is what he's establishing inside of us individually. And it's out of a place of that, that we would do anything. Mm-hmm. But when those two things get twisted or you start going after the goal or the next project or the next thing that sounds really, really fun mm-hmm. and you're not focused on the uh, characters character development remember that one time we dug a hole Mm -hmm. we put in a um a what what did we put in a french drain we put in a french drain and we dug a hole for 12 hours yes and that felt like character development yes (laughs) because i wanted to say no never mind let's just call it quits and Uh literally go do absolutely anything Mm -hmm. else but i think that that's what people do in ministry Mm -hmm. or with following jesus is Mm -hmm. they say that they've committed to this thing and a French drain sounds great, but then whenever it comes to actually walking it out, mm-hmm. you come up with a little testing or a little bit of pushback or things are hard and it's hot and sweaty. And suddenly you're like, oh, no, never mind. Mm-hmm. This lo- Let's go do uh, literally anything else. Mm-hmm. But I think, though, that like you're you've described uh, a correct situation. So in other words. Like, what have you committed to? Am I commit? Are you yeah. committed to the goal or are you committed to that relationship with Christ? Right. And so in that relationship with Christ, and, and Lori, you had mentioned it earlier too, and falling more in love with him. So um, are you committed to that, to that thing? Like you're falling more in love with him, even in the difficulty, even in the challenge. Yeah. Even when it's, it's tiring and, um, and you feel like giving up, like I mean, digging your hole sort of thing, you know? And so are you, I think the question becomes, what are you committed to? Are you committed to something that's false? Like maybe there's a false goal or maybe there's a false idea of who Jesus is, which is the yeah. Build-A-Bear concept. I build my own Jesus because mm-hmm. he looks awfully human. He's going to have those little human attributes versus like, am I committed to, to loving him and committed? And part of a relationship is like you want to get to know that person. Yeah. And, and so in that, that relationship process, I want to know how that person thinks. I want to know their heart. I want to know what makes them tick. I want to know what they like. I want to know, you know, all those different aspects that make a person's heart of who they are. And so in the Bible, they call that the fear of the Lord. And so the fear of the Lord, a lot of times it's misconstrued as like you're afraid of God and you want to run away. And that's not what they're talking about at all. Really what they're talking about is that in that love relationship with the Lord, that you see him for who he really is, Mm -hmm. that he's the king of the universe, like Lori described earlier, and that he's the king of all life. He's the king of, I mean, whether you're breathing or not, he's the king of every relationship uh, and every circumstance that we are in in life. Like, he's got it all in control. We have this, this misconception in our head that we're all that in a bag of chips and we can control it, and you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And that's not the reality. 
And so um, just just to kind of hone in on that point just a little bit, um, Molly, could you read Revelation 4, 1 through 8, in the sense that, like, Jesus is not like anyone else here on this earth. He's totally different. And we have to be open to that idea that he's different, and he really is the king, and he's sitting on his throne. So, Molly, if you can read Revelation 4, that would be awesome. Absolutely. So Revelation 4, verses 1 through 8, and this is in the NIV. It says, After this I looked, and there before me was a door standing open in heaven. And the voice I had first heard speaking to me like a trumpet said, Come up here, and I will show you what must take place after this. At once I was in the Spirit, and there before me was a throne in heaven with someone sitting on it. And the one who sat there had the appearance of jasper and ruby, a rainbow that shone like an emerald and circled the throne. Surrounding the throne were twenty-four other thrones, and seated on them were twenty-four elders. They were dressed in white and had crowns of gold on their heads. From the throne came flashes of lightning, rumblings, and peals of thunder. In front of the throne, seven lamps were blazing. These are the seven spirits of God. Also in front of the throne, there was what looked like a sea of glass, clear as crystal. In the center around the throne were four living creatures, and they were covered with eyes in front and in back. The first living creature was like a lion. The second was like an ox. The third had a face like a man, and the fourth was like a flying eagle. Each of the four living creatures had six wings and was covered with eyes all around, even under its wings. Day and night, they never stopped saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Whoa. Wow. Yeah, that's like, what an amazing description. And this is the... This is the Jesus that we have relationship with. This is the Jesus that we have given our lives to. And he doesn't look like anything here on this earth. So he's sitting on his throne right now. He's, he's in charge of, of our lives. He's in charge of this, this earth. Um, and he wants to partner with us little humans to bring his kingdom down here. Mm-hmm. But as he's sitting on the throne, he's got living creatures with eyes all around that are just gazing at him 24-7. And they're gazing at him because he's amazing and he's stunning and he's so powerful and has all authority. And there's colors that are just emanating from the throne room. There's thunder. Like this is a totally different picture. It's like sensory overload. Yes. It's all the senses and it's things you see in nature, but it's at the throne room of God. And that's who we have relationship with. And he's totally different than any human, uh, that we know in any human interaction that we had in the past. So in other words, we have to shift how we think about God. Can you imagine that? All of your eyes, if you had even, we have two eyes and we see things, but if you imagine your whole entire body or something covered in eyes and every time you get even a glimpse from any perspective of the king of the universe, your reaction is to say, holy, holy, holy. Mm -hmm. Like what? And the holiness of that is that Jesus is, 100% 100% pure. He's never sinned once. He's incredibly pure. And that's something we, we again, never see here on earth. My point being is he's completely different and so far above anything that we've had interaction with in each one of our lives. And so being that, he deserves glory and honor mm-hmm. and respect and awe. And he's the only one who's gone to the cross for our sins, for the stupid things that we've done, for the rebelliousness 
uh, and the shame and the condemnation, all those things that we carry that cause pain and hurt in our lives. Mm -hmm. He's the only one who's gone to the cross to take care of that for us. Yeah. And that kind of perspective, then that's how you guys have walked it out for this long, right? I mean, you, you've co-founded a ministry 18 years ago. And is it, would you say that this has been what's driven you? I would say it's got to be seeing him. And so, and it's, it's something that's just not really valued in our culture today is it's covenant. And so when we say we'll do something or we feel like we've encountered him, then it's covenant and it's for the long haul, no matter what it looks like, no matter what it feels like, no matter how hard it is. And I, I love the parallel about the character development so that we'll be able to handle what he has for us. And so I think now more than ever, we need to see the faithful and those who are following Christ do what they say they're going to do. And if we don't want to do it, then don't say it. I think about uh, fasting. And so we live a prayer, praying and fasted lifestyle. And if I tell you today that I'm going to fast for the next week and you see me two days from now and I'm eating donuts and Twinkies, then we've got a real problem. And so I think it's just one day after another, long term over time, falling more in love with him every day and every week and every month and every year, more than we were before. And then if he's our reward, if we're growth oriented, and then we see the goals come into play, but we're not as goal oriented because once we achieve one thing, then we'll want the next thing. Today, if I have one, then tomorrow I'll want two. And the next day I'll want four. And the next day I'll want Eight, and you can't really sustain at that level. And so I think if we put these things in place, that there's a real plan and a real purpose and a real reason why each one of us are on planet Earth today to advance the gospel of the kingdom and to stick it out. And when we finally take our last breath and we're standing in front of Jesus, I love the saying, woohoo, what a ride. And we finished everything that we were called to do, everything that he had in mind when he created us and dropped us into time. And I think too, that Laura, you had kind of said it earlier. And I think what I'm, what we're trying to get to the table is that the power behind uh, following him for the longevity is not just that let's grit our teeth and, and hope that we make it, <laughs> but it's the falling more <laughs> in love with Christ and seeing his beauty and seeing him every day. And so the seeing him every day and falling, like you said, falling more in love with him and his beauty that drives us and it and it shifts our focus from our, our tiny little lives that can be at times might feel chaotic or it might feel self-serving and it shifts our gaze up to him, to the one who has it. He's got the whole world spinning. He's the one that keeps it going. And so that perspective change uh, and loving him and seeing him rightly for who he is it it gives us the 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 momentum to do this thing for the long haul mm -hmm. because if we do try to grit it out and just hope for the best uh, it's it's just it can be so difficult and so hard so then what i'm hearing y'all say is that over the last 18 years since no boundaries has started that you have seen new facets of him yes every single day yeah. and that that's been the goal that's been what has happened is that as you have faithfully followed major yes, a yes, entered into covenant relationship with the king of the universe, that now every day you get to wake up and see a new facet of him and something happens in your spirit where you, where you cry, holy, holy, holy. Mm -hmm. And it just then takes you right back around into, yes, I'm in covenant relationship with you. And that's kind of the cycle that y'all live in. Mm -hmm. Yeah. How wild. Mm -hmm. <laughs> 
Yeah. It's beautiful. That's how it's supposed to be, right? Yeah, I think so. And um, and we may think we're all that in a bag of chips in the American standard and the American society. But think about those who have been, remember, the fifth crown, the crown of the martyr. Ooh. I mean, people are losing their lives. Mm-hmm. And people are enduring unimaginable things. And we're just so self-absorbed and full of the need for convenience and feel good that if anything lasts too long or if it takes too long, then we just decide to abort. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or if anything gets mildly uncomfortable, uh-huh. then yeah. we check out. Mm-hmm. And yeah, and comfort is a real, like, uh, kind of a sort of a God, I would almost say, mm-hmm. here in America. And if it's, I mean, even when we go to Africa and it's about, feels like it's a thousand degrees and there's no air conditioning. Those, like, those little moments come up like, uh, I really would like some air conditioning. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. I really would like some air conditioning right now, but... But it's really not about us, and it's not about whether we get the air conditioning or not. It's not about the comfort. It's about Jesus. And it's about keeping our eyes on Him and proclaiming Him and loving loving the person that He puts in front of us so we can tell the others about Jesus. So um, just one last thing I would I just kind of would like to put a little different spin on this is... Um, so out of John Bevere's book, The Awe of God, there's a little story in here that I think it would be great if Molly could read. And um, just as a setup, John Bevere was contacted by a minister, and this is going to be the dialogue that they have between the two of them. And it's really revealing. It's, it's um, kind of interesting. So go ahead, Molly. Okay. From John Bevere's book, The Awe of God. In the late 1980s, John was contacted by a minister who had an extramarital affair and who had been convicted of running an illegal Ponzi money laundering scheme. The minister, when he contacted John, was in prison, asking if John would come and visit him. The two did not know each other and were meeting for the very first time. John's description of the meeting. I did and will never forget the meeting. He walked into the visiting area in his prison garb. He approached me, stretched out his arms, and gave me an earnest hug that lasted close to a minute. He then grabbed my shoulders, gazed at me with tears, and sincerely asked, Did you write it, or did a ghostwriter? I responded, I wrote it. I've experienced suffering, but not near what you've endured. He then said, We have so much to talk about, and we only have 90 minutes. I was still a little skittish since it was my first time meeting him. The man had been so maligned, and defamed, I honestly didn't know who I was talking to. But when we sat down, he disarmed me with his first comment. Gazing into my eyes, he said, John, this prison was not God's judgment on my life. It was his mercy. If I continued walking the path that I was on, I would have ended up in hell forever. At that point, he had my full attention. He continued to elaborate on how evil he was and how great God's deliverance was in his life. It didn't take long to realize I was speaking to a sincere, broken, and contrite man of God. He proceeded to tell me all he proceeded to tell me how God delivered him from darkness the first year of his prison sentence. After twenty or so minutes of listening, I felt comfortable and ask, enough to ask him questions. I started with the biggest one I could think of. When did you fall out of love with Jesus? I asked this question because earlier in his ministry, his love for Jesus radiated from him. His fire and passion were evident to all who heard him. I wanted to know when his love grew cold, further, and what caused it. Staring into my eyes with great sincerity, he said, I didn't fall out of love with Jesus. I was shocked and a little angered by his comment. How dare he say this, I thought. I immediately fired back. What are you talking about? 
You committed adultery seven years before you were even prosecuted for all the mail fraud and ultimately put you in this penitentiary. How can you tell me you loved Jesus those seven years? Without breaking eye contact, he calmly said, John, I loved Jesus the entire time. My bewilderment was obvious. He paused, then addressed it. John, I didn't fear God. He paused again, then more fully elaborated. I love Jesus, but I didn't fear God. I was stunned speechless and quite frankly was in awe of what had just been stated. There was silence for a good 15 seconds, my mind processing the entire time. Then he made the statement that still reverberates through my being. John, there are millions of Americans just like me. They love Jesus, but they don't fear God. It was as if God had spoken right through his lips. So many questions were suddenly answered by this statement. I was reeling, and the biggest aha moment was that his story put into words the root cause of the massive departure from the faith in our nation. And sadly, the apostasy prevalent then has since escalated. Scripture makes it clear. The starting place of knowing God intimately is the fear of the Lord. Without it, we develop a phony relationship with a knockoff Jesus, one who is not the Lord of glory. We believe in an unrealistic Savior. Wow. What a picture. It's pretty intense. It is pretty intense. And I think that's where we kind of want to land, is that here we have this story about you know the minister who, who probably had it all. I mean, I'm sure he had a, the big house and the the money scheme going on. And, um, but he said, he, I love Jesus the entire time, but I didn't fear God. So in other words, he was willing to risk his relationship with Christ in order to fulfill his self, his selfishness. He was willing to, to damage that relationship with Christ in order to do, to fulfill his selfishness, his sin, the, the goals he might've put in front of him. And so he's seen, He's seeing Jesus wrong. He's seen in that time, he was seeing Jesus uh, as not as powerful, not as the, the, the creator of the universe, not the one who holds all power and authority in his hand. And so um, it just changes everything when we can uh, realize that we have an intensely personal God. He's the one that radically loves us and went to the cross and he sees us. He knows everything about our lives and he's intricately involved in it. But at the same time, he's God. Mm-hmm. And he's he's on the throne and we're not. Yeah. And so he deserves the glory and the honor and he deserves us to sacrifice our lives and surrender it to him to look more like him and to let him change us from the inside out every day. It can't just be like I said the sinner's prayer back then 20 years ago. It has to be a continual surrender toward him in his in his uh, power and authority and his kingship in our lives. So it just changes everything if we can get that perspective on a daily basis and let that thing fuel us. Right. And it has to be that. I mean, we can't just sit in the comforts of our American culture. You know what I mean? It sounds like this guy, he, I mean, he just made an exchange. He exchanged the American, you know, American culture comforts for kingdom culture reality. Yeah. And I think sometimes, especially in the U.S. or in Western nations, we'll get stuck in that American culture or Western culture where then we even kind of water down the truth of his kingship Mm -hmm. in order to fit our needs. And then 
worse yet, then we'll go and preach that or we'll cause someone else to stumble because now we've made it okay. And then the people who are looking at our lives or the people who are following us or that we've been entrusted to minister to by Jesus will stumble and fall. And then you're accountable for that. Yeah. Like, and that's a, that's a kingdom culture reality Mm -hmm. that quite frankly, American culture comfort can't uh, compete with. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, you're going to stand before him. Yeah. So does anyone have any final parting words on that note? I think that's that's a good place to land there, Molly. Dr. Lori? I think it's good. So what I would just encourage everybody in is uh, you start from a picture of what it looks like, and then you work your way backwards. And so if we see ourselves standing before Jesus. In the Revelation 4 picture. Uh-huh. And then we work our way backwards. So in light of that, Do I need to continue to do what I'm doing today? And do I need to serve him and fall more in love with him and then be on his timeline and not building Jesus and what I think he should look like? And so for that day that I'll stand before him and I'll hear well done and I'll be given crowns. I know what what counts or or what is important to him. And then those things that he gives us, the crowns that he's going to give us are the crowns that we're going to then put back at his feet. And so it's just a beautiful process, but we'll never have this process or we'll never have this opportunity again. And so yes needs to be yes. No needs to be no. And we just need to have follow through and longevity. And I think too, I forgot to mention this earlier, but the crowns that you had mentioned before, to me, that is such a, a huge, uh, symbol is not the right word, but it's just a reflection of God's heart that he's so loving and so kind that he wants to give us, you know, he wants to give us that crown and he wants to reward us for following him. So it's not a grit your teeth. I hope you get there sort of thing. I mean, he's all for us and he even gives us rewards. He'll always love us. That love will never change, but he gives us rewards based on uh, how we choose to live our life after him. Mm. So anyway, so that's, I think this has been a good, uh, very good discussion about what it takes Uh, to do this for the long haul. Yeah. So then, y'all, here's what I'm hearing. That God is holy. That Jesus is king. And that it is our choice to make a commitment to him, a covenant, to enter into covenant relationship with him, means meaning sticking it out even whenever it doesn't feel great. Because at the end of the day, we will stand before him. And whenever we stand before him, we will be struck with the fear of the Lord, meaning being struck in awe and wonder of his goodness and his faithfulness and how, honestly, his holiness. And that he's the king and the king of the universe with all power and all authority wants relationship with us. And he wants to lead us and guide us And who better to than the one who created us. So if you're in that place, or if you're listening and you're just like, man, I don't know that I've ever been caught by his wonder, that I've never been caught by his beauty, that it hasn't captured my heart. And that quite frankly, I just don't have the fear of the Lord with the, with the weight that it deserves, or I've been serving American culture and not kingdom culture realities, that now is a great time. There's no time like the present. That's why they call it a gift. But there's no time like right now to turn to Jesus. And just ask him to show you, to show you his kingship and to show you who he is as Lord. So I thank you, Jesus, for every listener. 
And God, we ask that you just encounter all of our hearts today in a new way, that we'd be able to see new facets of you. And then within our spirits that we, what would ring out would be holy, holy, holy. And God, I ask that you give us all courage and faith and boldness to step out and do what you've asked us to do in Jesus name. So thank you, Dr. Lori. It's been fun. And of course, thank you, Sandy. And we will talk with you all next time. All right. Later. Bye. Bye.